Action. Action. <laughs> yeah, I got to get the little. Okay, here we go. Take one and only take one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Thank you, um, friends, for tuning in. This, this meeting here, this conversation is really special to me because the gentleman who is uh, with me here today on, on, on the Zoom meeting is somebody who's had a very, very significant influence on me um, musically and uh, as I get to know him personally as well. Um, so I'm speaking of one of my heroes, uh, Mr. Gary Husband. Thank you, Gary. Uh, thanks for joining me again here and talking. Carl, I'm, I'm more than, I could say, grateful for your kind words and um, amazing um, comments there. Uh, um, I'm too, uh, you're too kind. <laughs> but it's great we did this, and thanks, thanks for reaching out, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Oh, listen, it's my, um, it's my pleasure. <laughs> and mine, <laughs> and mine, absolutely. Well, thank you. No, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I've been listening to you since, um, I figured it out the, over the weekend. I figured it out. I, I heard you prior to this, but I didn't know it was you, but I knew I was listening to you in 1986. That's the year I saw Alan Holsworth for this first time. And I'll just say this. Here's my story. I went to see Chick Corea, and that was the intention. Because Dave Wacko was touring, and I'd never seen Dave, and he was a little bit newer on the scene at the time, right? And uh, I'd heard him, and I'm like, man, I got to see this guy. So there's this opening act. I'd never heard of this guy. And I'm like, well, we got to get through the opening act. I sure hope they're good. Right, so <laughs> I'm there with like my friend Joe and Dave and Frank. Uh, I think Frank Newbert was there. We're sitting up in the balcony, beautiful seats, and then out comes Alan Holsworth, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad. And for 70 minutes, my head was spinning, and it was the most beautiful music I'd ever heard in my life. And also, it was a turning point for me where I I never looked back, and I always look forward differently now because. In 34 years later, uh, well, actually, what happened? So I, I leave on the intermission. I go out. And it's like a half an hour break. And I'm telling the guys, I'm like, "Geez, you know, I think I'm going to go home." I said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "I don't want those sounds to leave my head. I've never heard anything so amazing and beautiful." They said, that's why they make CDs. Get back in here. So I went in, you know, and Chick's band was great, but I wasn't in the right mindset to see them. I saw them later on a few times, and I was in the better mindset. But anyways, the next day I go out, I buy IOU, Metal Fatigue, and I tap a crown. Boom. Oh, wow. Wow. Gary, Gary Husband <laughs> enters the picture, and that's where you begin for me, uh, officially knowing that it's you. And um so I just want to thank you for all that because, man, it's what a what an amazing. Uh, well, in in my eyes, what an amazing career you seem to have had. <laughs> have it's been an yeah, hopefully not over. <laughs> but but yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty amazing. So, so tell far, me, uh, uh, how did <laughs> if you don't mind? Uh, I know we were talking about maybe touching a little bit on the idea of success, and you know we can mention that as we go through. Um, yeah. You know what I'm really wanting people to know about is you, Gary Husband, because you're, you're one of the things I really like a lot, and I'm talking an awful lot because I'm excited here, 
but you know, like the Tony Williams of the world, the Miles Davis, the the train, the the Alan Holdsworths for sure, mm. the 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 Roy Haynes. There's when you hear them, if you listen to them, you know it's them, and you don't need to look at the personnel on the record label. So when I get a Tavacron, oh, that's Gary Husband on that song. I know it is because you have this unique voice, which I think we all possess to some degree. But the thing is, is you've mm. so much separated yourself. Um, I mean, I think that's amazing, and I, I love uh, you're a heavyweight man. Oh, you know, it, it's really so kind for you, of you to say that. You know, I think we, uh, we're, we, we're the consequence and accumulation of everything we go through, I think. And, but most, most of all, corresponding to the little flame and the little voice inside, which is, which is really, it really called me, you know, into, into music at a very young age. So. I, I was just really just following a line. It was like somebody going, <laughs> it's all waiting for you. Yeah. Get this way and, 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 and start your journey, which, which I did relentlessly and, and with, with vigor and with, um, with passion just to, in order to try to start making steps to what I considered, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be so arrogant to uh, say uh, doing what came naturally because to a certain extent it did, but, and it, and it's, and it was the beginning of mountains and mountains of work, but, but um, it was, a natural calling that that much i can say and and, and i guess some when you have the drive it, it it can some you know i guess in its best sense can 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 link to some kind of facility that you feel you know and if you don't have the facility you start to develop it because you begin to realize that you need music like food <laughs> and this, yeah. this is what it was like for me so i I just got on with it. Uh, and, and you were talking about character and things. I, I do happen to believe that we, we, we're all in possession of it. The one that's really, it, I mean, I believe if you were to listen to recordings of yourself, Carl, for instance, to go back and hear very early recordings or th things that you've got from very early on and, and play something later, I. I guarantee you that there are pretty good correlation between the sound you make, the, the character of your playing and, and whatever else. Despite, of course, your development and everything you, you progress and go on to do. But, but I think there's a big link to, to what we have essentially in our hands from the very beginning. I mean, I, I know it because I wanted to change it yeah. passionately for a lot. You know, I don't want to have this sound. And then it, you know, as time went by, I realized there was very little we could do about that. But, but equally, I realized that it's actually a very beautiful thing to have something recognizable. And we don't have to be innovators. I certainly didn't concentrate on trying to innovate much. Just tried to find what was at the essence of 
what was calling me to create that's all and, and yeah and trying to get nearer to to doing that and, and bringing that about with more clarity and as much eloquence and as spirited and as passionate as i could do hey in a nutshell <laughs> yeah well i mean it, it probably goes without saying that in the beginning we probably don't have much of a voice in individual distinct let's say identity mm. where I, I know when i listen to things from 30 40 years ago i, I can tell exactly who i was listening to at the time oh, me too. <laughs> especially me too. when i get into the early 80s and i hear these certain blah 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 sh, sh, sh. oh it's tony williams mm -hmm. <laughs> the single stroke power hey. rolls and not too many doubles and the flams and the but you know what? That was a part of who I became. It helped yeah. me to uh, carve a little pathway into, okay, I want to do the Carl version, but Tony's so good, I'll use a little of his too, and somehow mold it over time. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, but, you know, you look at Tony, and he took a lot of Alan Dawson with him, his, his, his first teacher. Yes. And when you listen to Alan Dawson, you yeah. start to get some insight into what was happening on four and more and miles in Europe from 63 and 64. Oh, man. You, you, can hear, you can hear links. Well, you know, that's actually really interesting. And uh, for those watching and listening, uh, we, we have no script here. We just know we're talking. Uh, although I do have certain things I know about Gary that I'm going to prompt him to tell us about. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when you listen to uh, four and more, yeah. and then you listen to uh esp uh, let's go a little later uh what's another one kilimanjaro maybe everything changed smiles smiles tony evolved in a short time into uh he, he evolved he, he changed his voice yeah. where four and more was more of a lighter uh and then he things got more intense and of course the music may have called for it the compositions but wow what an evolution you know yeah, you could really see that it was on a path with that, and mm -hmm. and in that. and I I sort of relate to it, you know, in my small situation comparatively with, with with Alan because this this also went through periods and and changes and very definite sort of turning points, and I remember that, that we just sorry to continue on this thing but we we'd spend quite a lot of periods not playing, uh, and uh, but when we come back there'd be something slightly different about him and something slightly different about me because we'd been, we'd both been traveling yeah in those yeah. in those mean times mm -hmm. and then <clears throat> when we come together because the chemistry was kind of good and natural and um uh it it just took place in a slightly different way each time right. and uh this this was always very exciting it's nice to be able to go back and, and review it and think oh yeah this was a, this was definitely the first phase or period, and and I can see where the, how that led to that one and stuff that you don't even think about when it's when it's when it's you. But yeah. Tony, yeah, oh man, I mean, look, look, when it, by the time of Nefertiti and and uh, oh yeah, uh, Sorcerer and uh, he was like an, I mean, this, this magnificent painter. Oh, oh, by yeah. this point, I mean, yeah. he, he, it's unbelievable how he had expanded the 
the the traditions of of the jazz drumming way, but 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 integrating such expansions and such an imagination, and having the the courage and the conviction to see them through and go, hey, this is me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what I'm. It's my road. You know, either come with me or he had that stay with whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That I, I, I know exactly. simple thing he would do, and then he would do the the five saying like yeah yeah. So I don't I don't know how to make that happen. There has to be some kind of controlled bounce, but but the way yeah. he executed that, so it just flowed. It wasn't forced. Yeah. Nothing was forced. You can hear it. It's all just it's it's flowing. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Did you yeah. ever know? Did you know Tony? Did you ever meet him? Yeah, I did once, and it wasn't it wasn't a great occasion. Hmm. Uh, and, and I was a little scared that it might taint my sort of um, uh, fan worship, whatever you call it. Really, my my admiration and uh, and whatever, but it didn't. But uh, I think it could be a little strange from time to time. But you know, I have to say, Carl, I expected it from Tony, because someone who painted, for want of a, you know, better doing word, <laughs> in to, to these ways and, the, and these, these creative and, and super, super incredible ways. I, I don't really have the words, but, but somebody who's expanded his voice to, to that degree and what he, integrated into his playing in terms of an expression had to be a complex fellow mm -hmm. i'm sure and i heard he was and he was he was pretty cool <laughs> but you know i think so sometimes you you, you need a bit of that i mean it, it's i know we, we were talking the other day about um our formative experiences as players and working for people who who change things yeah right in the most positive way of shining light on it uh, and uh, often through harsh words or harsh criticism or, or just out and out cruelty, hey, or violence, that worked yeah. pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, what an so, artist. You know what I was wondering is, because uh, there are a bunch of things from previous conversations that uh, I know about you and I would love for you to share if you don't mind. Um, we have a couple of different categories here. There's the luck or Big, let's say a, a break, and I know you've had a couple that you've talked about, mm -hmm. but then the other one that's even, and, and especially with you, it's really fun, is how you, uh, in, and then I say this in a, a, a positive way, is you've orchestrated or, or um, created situations to <laughs> create a more likely, uh, more likelihood of something happening. And you you have some great stories there, and I would love for you to share about those. Maybe, what if we started off with? Did you mention something about you were about sixteen? Was that a break for you? One of the first. Uh, yes, Sid Lawrence. Uh, this and 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 that I considered um, a really great break for me, significantly. Um, sure. uh, was that London? No, I wasn't. It was. Uh, I was still based in. The, well, I was sixteen, so right. I, I just um, left school. Uh, okay. Well, 
escaped from school, which was <laughs> <laughs> corresponds more to how I felt about being at school at that point, feeling alienated. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, that's okay because I was uh, I was very much on a path and uh, I just had to believe it. That's all, and that's where I was going to be. And um, and the opportunity came by way of Sid personally because he knew my dad very well, and and they'd worked together in a broadcasting orchestra in the north of England, where I'm oh. from. And um, they'd um, they'd come to know each other quite well over the years and, and they'd have conversations occasionally even though they'd both moved into different areas. Sid had become a leader mm -hmm. of his own band right. and was doing very well. But he just had a drummer leave and he actually phoned my dad and, and said, uh, I've just had this guy leave on me and I, I need somebody pretty quickly. Yeah, wow. And <laughs> my dad said, you might want to take a listen to my lad and I'm like, Within earshot of this, and thinking, oh, God, <laughs> wow, what do you think? And, and and it just so happens that that, that I had uh, through the work of my dad in in this big band he worked in, I had a real love of big bands, yeah, and uh, all of them really, and and had already extensively looked by way of recordings at all my big band drummer favorite players mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, there were quite a few and I, and I was really really just like a sponge soaking up all that great material and and always fascinated and over uh, and, and uh, fascinated by by how different they all were you know all in the same all in the same kind of core situation of of making a big band work like you're sitting in the middle of the band invariably as drummer and you pulling all the sections it's a very certain discipline. Many will not know it because you might never get the chance to play in a in a big band. But it's a, it's a very certain. Uh, it's a very it's a very beneficial experience to have gone through it because you you learn to be the center of music, which I believe is very vital, crucial in fact for, for all drummers. To, yeah. To, be at the center of music to make things work and to and to uh, and, and to make those adjustments just to pull everybody where they need to be sometimes yeah, and, it, um, it is a special so, skill I, not to interrupt you but yeah. uh, my dad had his own big bands and he had rehearsals at the house and oh, you know he yeah. was my first teacher and teaching me how to read music and how you know, you know, set, setting up a kick instead of just playing the kick, you know, boom, you know, stuff yeah. like that where I could learn a, a, a musical way, simple way to enhance the upcoming horn kick. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but that's a special skill to acquire because and I would eventually sit in with his band at rehearsals. And then when I was 14, I ended up going and playing some gigs because he would get out in front and play vibes. My dad. Your father did. Yeah, yeah. He's really good on piano, self-taught and wrote some really cool stuff. But he would play vibes and I would play drums. Yeah. And a very good experience. Like you say, it's a great, ex whether you like it or not, it's a great experience to get that, that discipline. It is, and, and, and what a, particularly in that way too, where, where uh, 
at least in my situation, I had uh, what, two or three days to prepare. The band book, as it's known, the pad, as it's also known, yeah. uh, full of music was, was what? Anything between 370, 400 arrangements strong. Yeah. So he, he could just pick up any tune, you know, and say, uh, you know, and there was a guy in the band, first, second trombone player would turn around and uh, cognitive skills with this guy. Sid would go, uh, one o'clock jump, or strike up the band. And this guy, Andy, would instantly make the, the conversion to the number of the chart. The chart number? 103, 103, 103. And it'd just be like a, and he did this, night after night this was and the more when i think about it now it's it like pretty unbelievable for some reason i didn't think it was that special well he's been there forever you know and he's many years of course he knows but in actual fact that was a pretty incredible yeah amazing thing that he was doing so yeah uh and it was like that and my my audition for one of a better word was a gig mm -hmm. so I had to oh. sight read everything. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, swing the band, mere mm -hmm. detail, mm -hmm. but no less crucial. And um, and watch Sid for dynamics and countings and whatever, cutoffs and everything. And um, and basically just hold my own. And and it was really uh, literally do or die, Carl. You know, it was more like, like you, you've got one chance. <laughs> Get on there and do it. Or don't, you know, and, and really it was, it was that I, I didn't want to come off stage thinking, well, shit, you know, I, I've blown that. But in actual fact, it seemed to go okay. Yeah, I made a couple of mess ups and misread a couple of things and. Missed a couple of sections every now and again, but but as well in our as a process of what we do, because and most like and most most uh, definitely because we're drummers, we have to exercise and develop this sense of recovery. If something goes wrong, we have to recover. At least try and uh, make sure everybody else is feeling like you know where you are. Even Oh, and I can relate to that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've all been there. So all these things, um, I managed to show uh, something, a promising future ahead of me with the band. And and at the end of the gig, uh, to say, well, okay, uh, tomorrow night you've got to meet that guy and uh, travel to there and there you know, you will meet another vehicle and, and they will drive you, you know, the, the vehicle I went in is parked up and you'll join three guys who drive from that point to the gig. Mm -hmm. okay. And every day was a kind of like a, uh, an exercise to, to, because I didn't drive at 16. Mm -hmm. So I was having to like, uh, you know, like thumb lifts everywhere and, and oh, make wow. journeys. Yeah. And, and it, and it was a real life experience, a living experience too, to, to have to get that kind of stuff together. Oh, sure. At 16, I mean, it was a brilliant, it was almost like having to go into the services or something and, mm -hmm. you know, or, or, you know, closest thing I can imagine to, to maybe going into the Marines or something. 
Yeah, sure. You know, and wow. what, whatever had happened, whatever di difficulty, traveling or otherwise that you had, you had to be on time for that gig, all set up, clean shoes, clean shirt, clean. ready to go. <laughs> One, clean two, shoes. three, four, in. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have clean shoes. You'd really, really get nearly on that. So yeah. um, I'm really happy for those experiences. I know that it's, it's a very old school way of uh, coming into the business and stuff, but, but uh, for me it was invaluable, really. Well, that's, that's like, like you say, you're living, you're living that experience in a whole different way than probably would happen now. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's also, I don't know. There might be something about making you work for it. I know that in some situations I had to really work for, uh, to, to get to gigs was tough actually, because I couldn't drive either, uh, for the first two years I was playing out. So I had to arrange rides and be on time and, you know, dress appropriately and, yeah, so it was definitely a challenge, but it's something that I, I, I'll never forget it, and I would do the same thing over again in a heartbeat, you know? Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, well, to come up now, I wouldn't recognize life the same, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't know what to compare it to, so I wouldn't be have anything to make a reference to, but, but the, the, as I, it, it often amazes me sometimes how um, differently it's, uh, it's worked for for young people and and how they've managed to cultivate such an incredible di uh, uh, discipline but also it's not really just discipline it's also about respect and benevolence yeah. and and mm -hmm. and uh, to be not selfish and to be uh considerate of <clears throat> everybody else's situation and and really just about every um you know, every process of consideration really has to be, uh, you know, faced and 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 dealt with and and brought about in a situation like that, where you, where you're expected to be so because they're like that and they're professional. And yeah. the fact that I'm 16, which I was, of course, there was a little bit of a double standard because they didn't want to hear me talking about anything because I was just a kid. Mm -hmm. So it was like. Shut up until you get to the bands, that is, you know. But after and before the gig, we don't want to hear you, okay? Wow, man, yeah, yeah. So, in respect to them as elders and, and the people who achieved what they achieved in, in the way of experience, I admired experience. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I really wanted to show them that I admired that. So I, I did keep quiet mm -hmm. most of the time. <laughs> Not always. When the lead trumpet player threatened me and had me up against the wall, it, I was definitely not quiet then. <laughs> oh wow! You don't really want to know more about that story. But as it was all part of that era, Carl. It's about holding your own. And there was there's there's usually someone in a group of sixteen, seventeen guys who's going to start making a particularly because I was a sixteen year old brat who came along taking away the lead trumpet player's two solo features a night. Oh. And instead of his two solos, he had to make do with one. And oh. I have two solos. Oh, so boy. This, yeah. this brought about this sort of inner resentment, which well away from the band leader would result mm -hmm. in him 
uh, threatening me and, and, you know, threatening violence, you know, the, the usual. <laughs> Didn't matter, because I, I had another guy who was very, very handy fellow. Mm -hmm. Quite a lot of uh, moves from his days in the army and combat stuff. And he taught me a couple of different moves. And this guy pushed it a little bit too far. And I turned around very quickly and put him against the wall. Mm -hmm. Only for war must have been three, four seconds max. But it never happened again, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> That's a good story. Right. You know, it's funny, my dad used to talk about um, situations in a couple bands he had. And also, like, he was a big fan of Tommy Dorsey and Stan Kenton and Woody Herman and, uh, through the 40s and 50s. Uh, I guess there are stories of Tommy Dorsey and some others who would get pretty physical with certain people off stage, yeah. you know. And it wasn't a pretty sight, but uh, it was the old school discipline. It's the way they were dealing with stuff. Yeah. And it's funny how you remember it with fondness. I yeah. mean, how, how is that? You know, it's... Yeah. It's like you you remember your sergeant major with fondness, and he's done nothing but just be cruel to you for you know and say the most horrible things to you and yeah. hit you, and for over two years, and yet you've got fondness for this guy. Amazing, it is. <laughs> so well, yeah, so moving forward on the timeline. Uh, well, actually, before we do that. I know that we had talked about, and I find this to be really interesting because especially for anyone looking to uh, major, if you will, in two instruments, uh, mm. I had wondered if maybe you were trying to decide do I want to do piano or drums? No, mm. you want to do both. And there was like an, uh, uh, an element of people like not taking you seriously, right? If you didn't pick yeah, one or go with that. Did that create yeah. any roadblocks for you in moving forward at any point in time? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it, it presented itself in terms of major difficulty just trying to be a regular working musician. And that in combination with the fact that they knew I, I was a bit of a sort of wild improvising guy at heart uh, without knowing that I do actually have respect for all kinds of music and, and, and not just being a wild, a wild jazz guy. Yeah. But uh, the the it seemed to be a problem if you were sort of noticed and if you didn't really have this really super conformist thing socially and hang out at the pub and doing it. Well, I was a fit guy then. I didn't drink, and and I sort of refused to to acknowledge the importance of having to go after a session every day to the pub where everybody went to have three or four pints of beer. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go home and work or, you know, and it, similarly at, at uh, recording sessions, if I practiced before, I get very sour looks like, what are you doing practicing, you know, or, you know, in the break or something, please keep quiet. We don't want to hear anything, which is fair enough, but, but it was, it was just, really out of enthusiasm and, and, and wanting to be the best I could be really to, to do that. But the other great thing as you touched upon, which was a hindrance, was this fact that I was um, concentrating on two instruments at the same time in parallel mm -hmm. and to the same degree. It, it right. wasn't like one was, uh, you know, uh, an extracurricular instrument or, or, you know, or a second instrument. 
they were both number one instruments and, yeah. and there wasn't really I could do anything about with that it just came about that that would be and there was a lot of pressure from uh, peer pressure uh, particularly when I moved to London after being in the St. Lawrence band uh, to to really pick an instrument mm -hmm. and to have and and to have this idea that you have to choose one over the other because of one reason and that's apparently that people don't know how to place you and also that maybe you can't be the real thing if you're also another instrumentalist on a different instrument the mm -hmm. real thing and I really had to just battle this for for many years because it was it was it was a pretty stubborn kind of attitude which I regarded as as redundant and I'd also I'd often give the answer back uh, saying something to the effect of Do I have to give up an instrument to please you mm -hmm. to meet your approval? And of course they they fall short of a reply to that. But but the um. Eventually, it was just uh, through perseverance and, and determination, um, I began to get this multi-instrumentalist tag, which was also wrong, by the way, because I don't play a plethora of instruments. Mm -hmm. I just play two. Right, so, right. Uh, <clears throat> so now, at, at my grand age, I'm finally starting to see drummer and pianist, or pianist and drummer. And it's become commonplace at least in association with my name so yeah, yeah. it's been a long uh, it's been a long thing <laughs> To vocalize on these stories, not not to really gain sympathy or, or uh, whatever, but but out of the hope that if young musicians or aspiring musicians of any age are hoping to get into similar situations, and you find yourself on two instruments, they have to sometimes fight for these things. And uh, and you know, if I'd have buckled under and accepted this and well, I pretty much just keep the piano in the background and at home and never work on it. You know, yeah. what a stupid, imbecilic concept that would be. Yeah. You know. But look at, when you look at um, how well-rounded you are as a musician, right? And for lack of a better way to describe it, you've got the big band experience. You have mm. the drums and the keyboards, which you're, you, you have your voice on each of those and you, uh, the, and I, this is one thing I should have done, and I still think about doing it is learning to play the piano because I know that when I, I mean, I did it in college. You know, I took two years at school. My mom taught me a bunch, and you know, I could play a bunch of the Bach etudes. But you know, I'd have mm. to work at it now. But but I I don't know any musician, or let's say I'll, I'll stick with drums for now because drummers are um, unfortunately. Uh, labeled many times as oh they're just the drummer <laughs> because 
They don't know about theory. They don't know about this. They don't play a piano. Well, you know, the ones who do play, let's say, piano or understand theory at least, or they compose mm -hmm. and they write, I mean, they, I, that enhances their drumming. You know? Well, yeah. It seems like yeah, they're just, yeah. they're more, the, look at Jack DeJanette. He did the piano album. The guy can play piano. The guy's, he yeah. sounds beautiful. Um, so many other people out there, they, so I think, you know, you, you've created, uh, you come out of it with the big band experience and all these other experiences and, and then two instruments. Mm. Enhancing mm. everything about everything you do. Well, it, yeah, it's, it, it's the, the kind of coexistence of them both. <clears throat> Adding up to being one whole, two halves of a whole expression, form of expression. So in all aspects. by the two instruments and not just one that's the only difference to me but <clears throat> i think yeah the, with what you say the the i think the more that you can pick up in terms of um you know application to piano for a while once you once you start reading you your con your contextually you're understanding a lot more about form or and what harmony, how harmony is shaped, and how that shapes different sections of the song, and 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 you're understanding a lot more about uh, melodic playing. Uh, so you can, in a sense, your empathy is opened up a little bit, so you can interact with the soloist maybe a little easier. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure I'm accurate on all of these, but I don't think it can fail but broaden your. Uh, understanding or comprehension Absolutely. of music, yeah. And similarly, the other way, because piano. I mean, if you come up playing Bartok Microcosmos, which demanded mm -hmm. some pretty tough contrapuntal things between right hand and left hand, mm -hmm. uh, the drums helped enormously mm -hmm. to facilitate that on a piano. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, you you've already got a handle on this four-limbed way thing of, of playing drums, but, but this, the relationship between your right hand and left hand, they're already pretty liberated thanks to what you're doing on the drums. Yeah, yeah. Different, different for a lot of people who are just pianists sometimes, you know? Uh -huh. Sure. It, uh, so really, two, twofold, it's very beneficial, apart from very uh, fulfilling to someone like me to be involved in an expression which covers both two instruments. Sure, yeah. Um, I just had a, a sidetrack. Chick Corea has been doing these daily workshops and I've tuned yes. in on a few for a little bit. And it's really nice to watch. One The other day he was actually, uh, you couldn't see him on the camera, but he was playing the drums. Right. Yeah. He, he has a really beautiful feel on the drums too. I've, there are a bunch of videos of him online playing drums and they're they're fun to watch, you know? His touch yeah. is, he's got a beautiful touch and he, it's like he draws the sound from the symbols and that was fun to watch.
And he, think, you know, when I watch him, and I know that you've probably met him many times. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a video of you playing with uh, the fourth dimension somewhere in Europe where Chikoria, Frank Mbali, Lenny White, maybe they're all standing in the back of the stage. Uh, and first of all, I, I think that that song, that is a beautiful song, and your solo on that on keys just is killing me. And Ranjit, the drummer, Ranjit, I don't know how to say his name with fourth dimension. Ranjit, yeah. Yeah. So that was exactly. a beautiful, but I remember seeing Chick there, and I then I think, well, Chick, you know, he's got all this polyrhythmic stuff he does with the hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been doing it a long time, but he also plays drums. I imagine that helps. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can't fail to. Really, That's it's cool. just this cross-currenting that goes on, really, that, that uh, I don't suppose it's until you do it that you fully realize how liberating it can be. But it, sure. it is very liberating. And I'm for the first time in my life, actually, I'm more conscious of it now than ever before. So it's, uh, I'm very happy I stuck to my guns, Carl. You know, and, and look what it's done for you. You've you're you've been in these musical situations now as drummer, mm -hmm. as keyboard player, and um, with well, some of my heroes too. <laughs> and mine. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I mean, we can. Uh, there, there are definitely a few things I'd like to cover that we already talked about uh, recently. Um, it's up to you. What how you want to? What pathway you want to take? But I think there are a lot of people who would enjoy hearing about maybe your meeting with Alan the first time and then that evolution and then also mm -hmm. how things worked with uh, John McLaughlin when you started versus when you ended up with him because it was a long time but it's a great story though and when yeah. you tell the story please include the headphones part. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, you've read that story, yeah. Oh, well, I, love uh, it, I love it. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, but we we do what we can, and 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 really, what's be behind all this, particularly that one, that example, is is just trying to orchestrate or bring about your own chances and opportunity. Since I noticed you were doing, uh, I tuned in already to a lot of the interviews, but with the uh in regards to the about success and um mm. and you're talking to many and various guys they're highly illuminating interviews and really encourage everybody oh. anyone else to watch them too because they're really great to hear people who've, who've got lots many years of professional and life experience expand on that issue it's it's really really quite interesting i've got my own thoughts on it too but um Again, I, I was never really blessed with a lot of work coming my way. I think I sort of alluded that to that briefly before, to the point where I hardly worked in London at all. So I got used to the idea that I had to do something about certain things because it was not due to being complacent or necessarily being a bad player or even an unsuitable player. I wasn't even being given the chances. And, mm -hmm. and I had to look into really why that was. And since I wasn't really strutting around being an arrogant person or insulting people, <laughs> I was kind of wondering why that was. And I was coming up with certain uh, conclusions, but also trying to formulate a way of uh, taking responsibility 
to get myself moving in areas that I wasn't moving in. And, and what better to, to get into the areas that I wanted to get in and I had a natural propensity musically and passion towards musically those and to get known to people, you know, certain artists in particular. And uh, for that matter, I would say, and what a lot of people do, they, uh, what is the um, expression? To you, you do a lot of making yourself known. You, you're not grandstanding. You're something, standing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what's the word of? I mean, like networking or uh, networking. Networking. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Networking. Sorry. So you you go about and try to hang out in the places or where there is a certain group of people or a certain artist that you would like to play with and and try and make yourself known to him or her and uh, um surely but surely surely slowly but surely these endeavors start to start to pay off not that they had in any effect in the first one with alan which was uh, about 1978 and this was a chance thing. This was nothing oh, to right. do with yeah. He like walked, yeah. in, walked into a gig, right? Were you playing? Yeah, he did. He just happened to, and it was the perfect night to do so as well, because I'd been given notice from the band that I was working at the club with and had been there with two weeks with. And, uh, and it was my last night. I'd been fired from usually playing too extrovertly or too loudly or too insensitively or whatever. That was geez, <laughs> But uh, okay, you know, I, hands up, I probably was. But um, I meant it. <laughs> I meant it for the betterment of the music, believe exactly. it or not. Yeah, yeah. We all do, we're naive, and we're, we're just throwing too much at it. We just haven't got the balances right, that's all. Uh, anyway, I wasn't very happy about being fired because it really, there was something disturbing that I found disturbing about it. And, and naturally I looked to myself for like, you know, what is it I've done and, and had to go through all that. And, and really as a player that last night, I, I was, I was saying, okay, well, it's time to move on. So I really am gonna play the way I feel this music tonight. So I, there was a, even a more accented audaciousness to, to what I was doing, if that's correct grammar. And unbeknown to me, Alan had been in the audience and he'd, he'd come into the club earlier in the evening with Jack Bruce. Mm, uh, yeah. At which point I was mid-set. And his explanation to me said I was just nailed to the wall by this furious intensity and commitment that you showed. Uh, and I didn't even know he was there. And of course, I'd, I'd, I'd come off and, and seeing him, I knew exactly what he looked like. And I was already a fan of his playing, obviously. And uh, he said, uh, oh, I'm Alan Holdsworth and, uh, you know, you might not know me. I said, of course I know you are. You're the great Alan Holdsworth. So, and he said, well, you're the great whoever, whatever he called me. And said, I'd like to give you a call and try and interest you to come and have a play with me. And I'm going, you don't have to work from, to get me to be interested in playing with you. I'm, I'm, I'll do it now. Right, right. Do it right now. And he said, well, look, I'll, I'll, if you give me a number, I'll give you a call tomorrow. And a certain part of me was like, yeah, sure. Maybe, yeah, right. Uh -huh. maybe, maybe not. But he did. 
and the morning came around and, and he said, well, it's, it's Alan, I met you last night. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> you know. And he said, well, look, I've got an opportunity to go into No Miss or Lansdowne Studio, whatever, wherever it was, I can't remember now. Um, and he said, I've just taken out the room for the afternoon and, and maybe we can get together. So I was, I was there, I'm in, I'm there, you know, and, and uh, it was just so exciting to uh, get with the guy, really because it was the first time that nothing was said. And usually for me in situations at that point in my career, it was, it was usually, listen, I, I need you to be a good groover for this gig, or I need you to be a good, uh, like a, a pocket guy. You can play jazz, not too many fill-ins, not too out, but but just keep it, nice and reined in but swinging you mm -hmm. know and i'd usually have these kind of directions with alan i got nothing mm. it was like uh, i you know and i think i even asked him you know how do you want to play what would you like to do and he said oh just play okay in a particular way no nothing forthcoming and we just started we mm -hmm. just started and i see a direct link to that and the very end of my playing days with Alan. Mm -hmm. you, were, you were there for I was. I was there on your last tour with him, yes. Yeah. And it was just an instant connection. Yeah. This isn't like, uh, you know, it isn't even about how good your facilities, how, how good you are. It's, it's a thing, does something really work? Is there a connection which you can't really put into words? It just either works with somebody to an okay degree, a very good de degree, or a, an amazing magical one. And, and this was one of those, and it, and it just happened. It just was a good chemistry. And uh, I remember waking up, uh, waking up, uh, opening my eyes, because uh, I don't remember being too present even in that improvisation, but when we sort of came to, if you like, it was dark outside, and the other guys that had come along to the session had gone at some point. We didn't even know when they'd gone. It's like all invisible except for what we've just been immersed in. Just the two of us. Just guitar. Oh. And I really can't say enough about it. I was truly blessed to have that come about because had it been one night later, Alan walking into the club. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's, but that, yeah. 
So what a oh. yeah, the chemistry and you can feel it too when you listen to the music, you and him. It's unmistakable chemistry. Oh, it's nice to say that. Oh, yeah, I I think we had fairly, you know, I'm I don't mean this to sound boastful, but somehow I knew that this was going to be something. And I never knew what, and I never knew how it would develop and and and, and expand itself uh, in the music, but uh, and reveal itself. But I knew it would be something because it was just too big a connection not to be. And and uh, and I think that that the of course it was his music, his project. It was what he wanted to do, but he wanted such input from a drama. He almost wanted to be. Uh, a secondary director in a way well not even that a director he, he liked being yeah. taken for for a ride a little bit you know he he preferred to be to have someone else make those kind of directions musical suggestions for instance so we'd all do it to a certain degree but drummers he really wanted that form mm -hmm. and and uh so um yeah, I could, I could see how this was going to work out. And I think that we, I'm happy to say, conclude that I think we had a little area in the realm of jazz fusion, jazz rock, whatever you call it, that was our little contribution, his primarily, but I think of it as, as, as ours, of um, into the realm of the, the development and the trajectory of, of that music. So it's nice. You know, there are... First of all, I, I just recalled just now an interview I heard with him, and the interview was much more about the uh, beer tapping system that he invented. <laughs> yeah. However, and also about bicycling, as he described yeah. it as a thinking machine, which I can relate to that. When I ride, I think, but also uh -huh. the... Um, Drummers. He was talking about drummers laying down the tracks, meaning mm. the the railroad tracks. Like, oh yeah, they put down the track, and we go with them because they're they're leading us. The drummer leads the way, <laughs> and um, I, that interview is very interesting too. So I uh, bet it is. Yeah, I I, I think. I mean, we're, we're just coming up to the third anniversary now of his passing. Yes, was it <laughs> then maybe yesterday or today or something? It's very close to now, though. It's very tomorrow. tomorrow really? The fifteenth. <laughs> two days. Okay. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. In two days' time, and um, yeah, so I'm thinking about him a lot again. As yeah. You expect. But uh, I, I really admired how. He stuck to his guns. He really stuck to his guns. I'd made a yeah. lot of decisions early on, you know, along the lines of what we were talking about as, as youngsters and the decisions we make for ourselves and and how committed we are to seeing that through. And, and he was pretty relentless about that. He was always going to do things the way he saw it to be done. Yeah. And, uh, and he would make no compromise on that level. And that's 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 quite a quality, really. I mean, that says something about an artist's integrity. 
even at the risk of jeopardizing relationships, friendships, associations, whatever, you will do things your way. And that's the way it was for him. So. Yeah, it just reminds me on that interview I, I'm telling you about, he also talks about the Warner Brothers contract and how Eddie Van Halen helped to facilitate that, but that Warner Brothers wanted him to be a certain way, and he said, that's it, I can't do it, I'm out, or something, basically. Yeah, yeah. There, right? That was, was that IOU? Was that a Warner Brothers release? Or maybe that was... Uh, no, no, no. It was the next one. Uh, uh, Road Games. Road games, okay, okay. Oh, right, got it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, there, there's another side of Alan's character, bless him. And one, since we're integrating this success uh, theme, uh, in, as in your interviews, it, it's a funny thing with Alan because he, I would say that he shunned success. Purposely, mm -hmm. and if a great opportunity came his way for some kind of uh, great tour with that really paid well, or it had great exposure, or it took you to a really fantastic place, he'd, he'd often I don't know what you know. Jimmy Johnson said Alan was wired differently, mm -hmm. and, and and this seems this makes the most sense to me. It was wired very individually, <laughs> uniquely. So, and he he really didn't let himself enjoy what he could have done. Mm -hmm. I say that with a, with a tinge of sadness because he, he denied himself possibilities because of the way he shoot things in the, shoot himself in the foot mm -hmm. a lot just because he wanted. To, I think he felt that he had to suffer, Carl. And, you know, uh, I've heard a little bit about that, mostly from Jimmy Haslip, who knew him yeah. pretty well, um, did a few tours, and you were on that last tour with, or I should say your last tour was uh, with Alan, was with Jimmy, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then I think after I saw you at the Iridium, I think you might have gone to Indonesia or somewhere, uh, because I saw some great video of that, footage of that concert online is incredible. That's it's actually uh, from South Korea. South Korea, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a big festival there. And, mm -hmm. um, um, and that would be the last time I, last time around. And you had no idea, of course. No, no, but, 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 you know, Alan had a lot of issues and uh, underlying health issues and, um, you know, I can refer to it in terms of d disease as well. It was, had reached its height beyond any sensible proportion by that time and had been growing since 2000. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there, was, there was a combination of elements, but what I saw him consume in terms of beverage mm -hmm. first thing in the morning once was enough to tell me this ain't going to go on much longer. Yeah. So yeah. Without, heard about that too but uh yes yeah. it is very sad it's almost like punish punishing himself but uh you know suicide. you know he didn't like it that i got to meet him many times he was always nice um that last time i no not the last time 
close to the last time I saw him. Actually, we were at a show at the Iridium. I was with Leonardo, and then Ellen walked in to hear the mm. same show. <laughs> so, yeah. Holy crap! Leonardo said, yeah, I just texted him. He was upstairs at the bar. And I, I said, come down. He said, I don't want to. I don't want people to see me. Come down. So he came down and sat with us. <laughs> That's where I told him the story about how I saw when the first time I saw him, I wanted to leave after he played because I didn't want the sounds to leave my head. And I don't think he could really accept that as a compliment because he didn't feel he was worthy or something, which is so sad. So sad. But hey, you know what? Yeah. My life's never been the same. So I'm grateful. Mine will never be the same either. Yeah. And what would have been, we don't, we don't, we'll never know, thankfully, what it would have been without his music, right? I mean, who knows? But I'm just glad it was there and it is still there. Oh, I, I have absolutely no comprehension what life would be like as a musician without his music. Yeah. Uh, 17, 18 years old, we started. That's beautiful. Wow. 36 wow. years. Yeah, really, man. <laughs> so, but, um, oh, yeah, you wanted to know, uh, yeah, the John story, right? Oh, do you mind? I don't I, mind. Okay, I'm well, proud listeners, this is Gary Husband going to tell about the John McLaughlin story because I asked him recently, you know, how did that come about? You know, have you known him a while and this mm -hmm. and that? And this, this is actually, when it comes to the standpoint of success, um, I'll compare it only in one way to something personally that I did, which was to position myself to get asked to teach for a company so that I could get out there because I love this doctor's material so much and I bugged her and bugged her. And then another time was the job at the university. I, I wanted to work at the university. I bugged her for a year. And in both situations, I was asked to, okay, come work, teach for me, work for here. Well, this is a similar concept. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great yeah. story. It has some really funny parts to it that I love. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually one of many, but I, I will. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. tell yeah. all you want. <laughs> I, have, I haven't had the courage to really admit this to people. I, I quite openly divulged the fact that I used to stalk John yeah. quite a lot, literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's, it's got very sinister implications to that. You know, this guy is, you know, is standing in the shadows and there he is again, you know. But it wasn't, it wasn't really like that. I mean, I'd, I'd make regular and various approaches to him to make myself known and to make what I was doing known to him and to try to lay sand into what I considered musically could be a very nice fit or a situation for me to be useful in his musical world. I considered that I could be useful to him. You wanted Definitely. him to know this. And I wanted him to know it. And, yes. and, and he isn't going to know that if I just, you know, go in the background, unless there's a chance thing that happened with Alan, does it happen twice in one lifetime? I don't know. But, I wasn't about to wait around to find out. And since I got to know from a mutual friend who who uh, always entrusted me with information, if he was anywhere where I was, mm -hmm. in America or, or Britain. And uh, he arrived to do a rehearsal with uh, the band with Danny Gottlieb and Jonas Helborg and 
and those guys. So it yeah. must have been the mid eighties. Yeah, yeah. Thereabouts. I saw that band in '86, about a month yeah. apart from the first time seeing Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and they were in town. I got to know, and the, and the very morning I got to know this, I hot-footed it down to the studio. I knew where it was. I think it was No Missing West London. And um, I bullshit my way into the studio complex saying, uh, oh, I've got an interview to do or I'm involved with this, that or the other or I have a rehearsal. I can't remember how I managed to do it, but they let me in. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, God, it's, I just realized how like that movie King of Comedy this sounds. Robert <laughs> De Niro. That's great. Anyway, uh, so uh, I get in there. What's interesting is that I have armed myself with a cassette machine, a black cassette Walkman that we used to have in those days. Yeah. It's lined up right at the start of a track called what was later to become Unmerry Go Round, which we, mm -hmm. we'd done with Alan in Los Angeles the year before. And uh, it was still incomplete, but it still had most of, it had all the drums on it and most of the, well, it was absolutely more or less completed. It had the guitar solos on and everything. And uh, a pair of headphones. So I had this pair of headphones plugged into the Walkman and I'm kind of waiting around the area of the studio. I can hear that it's them playing. And, and finally John comes out to either go to the loo or, or go for a collective coffee or something. And he came up and he spots me and he goes, oh, Gary, you know, because by this time I've made enough advances, approaches, what have you, to him and given him things um, and just greet him and show my respect and, and admiration every time. Um, and he said, you know, so how are you doing? And I'm going, yeah, great, that's fine, thanks. Great to see you. And wow, the band sounds terrific. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a great band and this and that. And so he, he said, I'm just going for, to get myself a coffee. I'll be right back. So he does that. I get this machinery ready, get the headphones out of the bag. And <laughs> he comes around, sees me again, and gets sidetracked a little bit by a pinball machine. And we're, we're almost standing next to it. So we... We move to the pinball machine. He just starts having a game, you know, like you like you would in the middle of an intense rehearsal, just to clear your head. And he said, you know, he's playing the game. He said, so what's been going on, Gary? And I said, well, do you mind if I play you what's been going on? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got a little track here I'd like you to hear. Said, would you hear it while you're playing the game? And he said, well, yeah, I could. I said, good. So I get the headphones out and I put them on his head. <laughs> Here's the camera. I put I them on that. his head. Okay. You put them on his head. That's one of my favorite things. That's great. It, so I put, I put them on his head. Yeah. He doesn't even know there's a pair of headphones coming at him. You know, and he sort of feels this and he's still playing. Go, oh, yeah. He's put a pair of headphones on me. <clears throat> and I press play. Mm -hmm. And he gets it. I turn it up too because I know that this hearing is not everything since the Mahavishnu days. Sure, right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and he listens through almost the entire track. Mm -hmm. This is good. 
forgotten how long that track is, maybe between oh. 15 and 20 minutes even. Yeah, yeah, it's in the high teens at least, yeah. That's great. Anyway, I, I was delighted because he, he, he definitely got past the first section, which was very powerful. Then he goes into a big long drum solo or almost immediately, very soon into the track. And he was kind of ducking and diving a little bit while he was while he was playing, and uh, and I was just really happy that he was listening to it. And at the end of it, he kind of looked at his watch and gave me the the headphones back. And I said, "Gary, I, I better get back, you know." And uh, time's moving on. And he's I'm watching him go down the hall, and he opens the door. And just before he opens the door fully, he turns back to me and says, "Is that you with Alan?" And I go, yeah, quite recently. And he said, well, it's quite something. And I could tell by the way he said it. And then he quickly turned his attention to the room and disappeared. And my mission was done for the day. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to be there when he comes out. Right. To say, we do listen to another track. I mean, of course, then we're getting obsession time. Sure. So just, just the once was enough to plant in what, what I consider to lay sand, to, to plant the seed. And uh, he, he remembers that occasion today. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah, he remembers, yeah. I and he often says to me, I remember when you did that. I remember you showing it up with a lot of audio gifts for me, many of which I imagine probably didn't get heard or got lost you know, along with the things given to him by many of his other admirers. But I made sure that he heard something that was strong. And I, I think, that, that, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, okay, it didn't pay off until 2004. And I was involved in John's Industrial Zen album. Yes. Then it came my time. Yeah. That was the result of laying that sand. That was the result of going out being proactive, not being a pain in the butt, but being someone who cared and admired enough to show up and, and say. I I, so there was a pretty big gap in time from the first, you know, putting the headphones on them to doing the album, doing the recording, oh, yeah. and then joining the band. But, uh, but, but you know, there, there's just digressing for one second, sort of is persistence pays off, they say, or it, if it doesn't pay off, well, if you're not persistent, nothing will pay off usually unless it's luck, right? Or chance. But if yeah, you, you basically what you did is in a, a respectful way, mm. consistently made a presence in his life and, uh, and it paid off. And that's yeah, I'm excited. That's uh, a great. It's actually a really great, great story. You know, you didn't give up. Mm. If you gave up, you might not be doing that with him now. And this is a long-term relationship here too, as far as being part of Fourth Dimension. We're yes. we're talking what, 15, 16 years? Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's he's um, had this quartet for a long time. I I just love yeah. this band.
I, I quite like relate, relaying the story because it shows you a bit about that perseverance that you spoke, speak of, Carl, um, and just a certain determination. But I had no choice. But I, I, was, I didn't have any work. I had to make other roads. And since I had to make other roads, why not try to work to ones that would be the, the most ideal? And, and this really was my sort of code behind this whole line of approach right. to get myself geographically more international because uh -huh. I couldn't work in my own country, whatever the reasons were, and um, also to become known to as many different musicians uh, as possible in a, right. a more global sense instead of specializing in one little area. So, and, and all that paid off. Yeah, so, exactly. I, I think it, there's a there's a good lesson in that for for everyone, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my situation, it didn't take twenty years or anything like that. But it, but if I didn't keep, I told this Dr. Emily, I said, I I am going to teach for you. I love that. I we, just we, I just and I I kind of made it sound like I was kidding. But I know she knew I really wasn't, because we'd be talking like, I just want you to know, just so you know, I will be teaching for you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And then finally uh, it happened. And same thing with the gig at the university. And that was a different story, but you know, I was bugging this lady like every couple of weeks, or at least once a month for a year. Yeah. And I had an interview, she hired me on the spot, and I started the next day. So that was the end of that. At the beginning of a gig that I love. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> But if I gave up, I wouldn't be doing either one right now. Well, it's the same. We're all talking, uh, we're on the same uh, page there. Yeah. This is, I think it's one thing to realize this, and another thing to not sit back and say, uh, well, you know, if I wasn't me, it could have happened, but, but uh, you know, it couldn't, it's probably gonna happen to somebody else. And this kind of, any kind of negative or defeatist attitude in myself, you know, somebody so devoutly spiritual as John, for instance, I once made the stupid question, inquiry to him, what religion uh, do you lean towards the most? And of course, and it wasn't, the answer was only what kind of path, really, uh, more as in a sort of spiritual path. And I knew that he was into uh, um, uh, not Tibetan monks, but uh, um, oh, I can't even think. Um, certain, definitely not a follower, but a respecter of certain paths. And I said, you know, what is your ideal path? Or, and he said, I, I have this path. I, I, I very much like uh, Buddhist countries. Uh, um, and uh, he said, but as far as religion goes, I only have one religion. And I kind of knew what he was going to say, but even if I didn't, I wanted to hear him say it. And he did. And he said, inner strength. Oh, wow. And that, yeah. that really hit me, Carl. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, he said, I, I don't want to know about organized religion. I don't want to about religion, period. In fact, I only have one religion, inner strength. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, but what a beautiful answer too, though. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And you you can make a link to look at what we're going through now. Yeah. And without inner strength. And without determination, you see these correlations all over the place. But it, it's it's uh, yeah, it is an extraordinary time now to. Uh, <laughs> In, in the future, when people are, in case you're wondering what Gary's saying right now, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, so we're all sheltered up everywhere. Gary's, you're in England right now, right? Yeah. I'm in Syracuse, New York. People all over the world are staying home. Things are different. When they eventually r roll slowly, get back to businesses opening and this and that, I think things will be a little bit different. Uh, many things will be different, but yeah. inner yeah. strength is something that uh, we, we all need this right now because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of unknown out there. And well, we know that Zoom is over, overrun with video calls, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but we're able, we're still able to connect, be creative, um, yeah, you know, I'm doing a lot of online training and I only started doing it when this happened and because I was afraid to do it before, but now I'm forced. I had to, or I would mm -hmm. have no clients and it's working out beautifully. I actually like mm -hmm. it. I kind of love the fact that I can be right here in this little room. I can talk with Gary. I can, I had trained two clients this morning before we talked. It's like, great. You know, I rolled out of bed and I came into this room. Um, but speaking speaking of being creative, uh, your video cast, oh. GaryHusband.com, you have several video casts there. And um, mm. would you share about that with us? Because I know that there are people who are watching your posts on Facebook, uh, getting a lot of traffic, and uh, hopefully people are buying those from you too because uh, oh. the investment in that is, I think, probably one of the best things anybody can do well, I love the fact you also have the audio track with no drums. That's yeah, I do. They're, 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 well, I'll just outline what, what's, what's there. Sure. In terms of it conceptually, it, it's basically about, um, what is it about? Playing rooms. <laughs> Besides that, it's about uh, encouraging uh, creativity, really. Sure, um, yeah. And, and hopefully inspirational in a sense of uh, expanding what you bring into your voice and believing in it. Very big thing. Belief. Belief. Yeah. In what you do. Uh, there's and some inner strength along with that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Having the conviction. Yes. Absolutely. And fully that. And, and uh, because... Um, I make the point very early on in the video cast, all my heroes, and I had a vast many in all kinds of different areas of music, drummers of very, very different kinds, 
But the one common thing they all shared was they delivered what they conveyed something with such immense conviction and inner determination and, and clarity and, and no mistaking what was being said. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> that's, I'm talking about drummers from Earth, Wind and Fire, James Gadsden with, with um, uh, Bill Withers. Uh, oh yeah, right. Any of them, from Jack to Jet, the, the most abstract painters in drumming, to mm -hmm. Tony, to Billy Cobham, yeah. Harold to Michael Walden, Tommy oh, yeah. I don't care, you know, Keith Moon. Yeah, I forgot about Con Michael Walden. Conviction, just pouring out of him. And it's like, it's like the, the, the one common link between all of them, it was like the, the intent was evidently to strike you with a bolt of lightning. Yeah. And that's, that's the way I felt with all those great players. So I wanted people to know that just in order to be able to not say, oh, well, this is a lesson, you know, I must cultivate that. Because I think that can come in, a, in, a, in quite a few different ways. I think the, the, the fundamental is to really start believing yourself, believing in your own creativity, and try and lessen, hopefully, the, the, the ongoing propulsion or, or responsibility, it seems, with some of them, to play like somebody else all the time. And uh, what I'm saying is, why, why waste your time? Time is very precious, isn't it? As you said, Carl, with, yes. with, with something that's been done. Yeah. Alan told me that. Well, I'm not surprised. I, I was actually just thinking about it. I think it's in the interview I spoke of earlier where he talks about beer, bicycling, drummers. He also talks about um, why would I want to play somebody else's music? That's yeah. their job to play their music. Yeah. I have no interest in playing their music, not because I don't like it, maybe, but it's because yeah. that's their music. They should play that. I will play my music. And also, yeah, yeah. Uh, Buddy Rich, a long time ago, I remember Buddy Rich made this comment. I was there when he said it. It was so funny. It was a, a backstage conversation. When I was a kid, that's when I just digressing for a second. 1970, I was nine years old. It was right around this time of year. It was April. My dad took me to see Buddy Rich, and I'll never forget it. And that sealed the deal. I had to be a drummer. And so we're backstage, and this guy says, you should come down the road because there's this there's this guy playing drums who sounds just like Bobby Columby. Um the the blood, sweat, and tears guy, I think is but he's like, why would I want to go somewhere to hear somebody that sounds just like somebody else? <laughs> oh really? I did not, man. I did not. But uh, but I mean think about that, you know. Would I want to go hear a Gary husband? Maybe somebody who has, sounds just like you, or Jack Dijonet, or Elvin, or whatever. I'd rather see Gary Husband and Elvin and Jack, you know? Let's go for the real deal, where it really came from. Yeah. I respect yeah. their admiration. I always just respect. There are people who are out there who sound very much like Alan, but you know it's not him. Yeah. It bugs me in one way, and yet the respect towards him, I can feel it, and that's why I don't get too pissed off, you know? And I admire their talent too, but yeah, we all have our influences. I, I'm really not trying to judge anybody whatsoever, but 
But in your video cast, to get back to that, I love how you you do that. You talk about being an individual. I think central to any of the videos, we've done uh, about nine or ten, I think we're working on, we're working on another one right now to launch very soon. And uh, they're, they're really dealing with different realms of music too, so I hope that they are broadening yeah. for a player uh, who perhaps might feel embarrassed to be <coughs> participating in something improvisational for the first time, to do uh. it alone. And to make those experiments alone, great, because you have downloaded music with each video cast minus drums. And with the video, you have the talk through from me and an example. So yes, it's nice to be able to do some playing on my own videos, but it's only by example to them. It's not about me. It's about whoever's watching. And, uh, and really just encourage your creativity and... Uh, and hopefully they're inspirational and as they are informative. And <clears throat> yes, you get a chart and a drumless mix. You, you uh, can download these plus see bonus features and, and everything else. We've kept the price about as modest as we can, considering there's a production involved. Yeah, yeah. Like cameras and, and uh, venue spaces of gear that I had to invest in. I have to make something back, but we, oh, we've, sure. tried it, we've tried to keep it as low as possible. Um, but I hope the value of it, because you once you've downloaded it or anybody's downloaded it, it's there on your laptop or iPad, and you and you've got it, and you can uh, just work away and post your own interpretations of some of the music that that, that I'll put up there which is really fulfilling and exciting for me because I can just witness like, oh, wow, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really incredible or different kind of past than the last guy. And, and it's really, I'm having a great time with it, just, just being responsible or the, the catalyst maybe as well of yeah. people stretching their creativity. I love and, that, uh, yeah, I love that. So it's there and... and uh, and there is no subscription thing, so you're not locked into any kind of package financially. You can go to the page, the GaryHusband.com, videocasts, and uh, if you see a title that sticks out, you know, or a particular field of music, you think, oh, I'll, I'll take the warming up one, or I'll take the jazz rock one, or the, the, the soloing one. 
and uh, and just take that only if you wish, or you can buy all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You will think about for the price that they are, though. I mean, you can't take a one-hour lesson from anybody for that price. Yeah. So now you not only get, you get more than a lesson, you get a permanent availability to that lesson repeated over and over and you get to experiment with, right? Yeah. So that's a, a great, in my opinion, it's a great investment. I know that you have a City Nights is up there as one of them, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we've just, uh, that, that, that was quite, um, in its form up until recently, was just for drummers, but we've, I had a lot of uh, guitar players inquiring about it, saying, uh -huh. listen, have you got a track minus guitar? So uh -huh. I do a mix for them, write a chart for guitar, same for bassists, same for keyboardists. So we're, we're venturing into that to see how that works out. But at the moment, awesome. yeah, it's wailing ahead as, as the big seller. And that's beautiful. I, uh, City Nights <laughs> is a song that Gary wrote, and um, I love that song. I just sit here in my own mind here, I hear so many, ways i'd like to try to play that so i think i'm going to get that one soon <laughs> i've got to practice man i am terrible right now i can barely do a, a roll uh, uh you get a complimentary one carl ah uh, well i'd rather give you my money because you've given me so many things over the decades uh so at least i can do plus you give me time twice <laughs> <laughs> we had a little problem with our first interview with the corrupt files, so we're back at it again today, and it's still yeah. recording. Everything looks good. Um, yeah. But the, so people go to GaryHusband.com. That's where you can find GaryHusband.com. Yeah. Right. GaryHusband.com. So I'll put a link on there, and then we were talking the other day about how, for more information, if you go to the the UK version of Wikipedia. Oh yeah. Well, it's, right? until we. Yeah, we're, we're expanding the site. It hasn't really got all my albums listed anywhere at the moment. So okay. they, they'll, excuse me, um, they are all listed um, at uh, Wikipedia, in the UK Wikipedia Okay. Uh, of a page for me. That's, which, the, which, that's the accurate which, Wikipedia version. Yeah, yeah okay. especially so because uh, I had somebody do it because the, uh, I got into some complications trying to alter my own very wrong uh, evaluation of what my oh that's right was. Oh, that's and, why they banned you, basically, right? They yeah, banned. they said I can't, I can't do. I would no longer have the facility to do anything, so I had to get somebody else to enter oh, all the correct gosh. information. Imagine that. So on a completely different note, um, since we talked last time, there's a song that's in my head now. It's been in my head for days. Dodgy Boat. 
Oh yeah. I love that song and the way you play on that man, holy crap. I just love it. Who wrote that song? Steve Hunt. Really? Yeah, Steve's written some nice stuff. Yes. Yeah. He wrote one of the other favorites with uh, a lot of fans of Alan Joshua. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Beautiful song, nice yeah. Too. Yeah, Dodgy Bro, this is the way you, you, you're drumming on that one. Mm. And, uh, you know, Alan just sounds, I mean, Alan just sounds quintessential Alan on that song to me. It's like the sound, the just everything about it. He's just, just singing so beautifully with the guitar. And um, yeah. I think there might be a little syntax on that album too. But I, I have to say as much as I found the syntax to be really cool, I like to hear him on guitar just because that's my personal preference. Although I really like how he did some stuff with syntax. I have no idea how that machine worked, but it looked pretty complicated. Dodgy Boat, mm -hmm is on a Wardenclyffe Tower. Well, at least that's the mm -hmm. version that I have. Um, what a journey, man. It's only four minutes long, not even, but what a journey. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, for, for my two cents with on it, but uh, thank you anyway. It was, it, it was uh, actually with that album, it, it, it was a change in Alan's uh, working methods in that he built a lot of the tracks up and finished his solo ahead of a time ahead of time oh, so okay. he brought he brought what he'd finished uh, in the form of a already finished track and we could then get our interplay what was existing it's kind of like opposite of what he did before where where usually traditionally he'd take the rhythm section takes and then jimmy would play along with me or schooly okay usually and we get a good track together or uh, we could carry on until we got one, <laughs> and then uh, which was I mean we really only had like a series of a few days to do those records. They were we were on such a budget with them, and uh, <clears throat> but the the spirit is is correct on them. Some of the oh. playing is a little inaccurate from time to time, but hey, <laughs> yeah, I like I like what they say. Because they were, they're all kind of little paintings from different periods. So I'm very fulfilled that we did that. All of is that. It, there's another song I want to ask you about, which I think is total genius. Uh, I'm going to play it. Because you are doing this. You'll know. Yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. Ah. Oh, man. How did you think of that groove, man? I love that. Uh, <laughs> he, he wanted imagination. He wanted input. That's, that's just when I heard that. I think, I think, I can't remember, because I got that first on vinyl. And yeah. I think it's the first cut, maybe. Yeah. And it just is like, boom, here you go with like you say imagination i said how can anyone think of a groove like that this is amazing <laughs> yeah well the the truth i mean jet lag can bring about a lot of positive things carl uh -huh. yeah. and, and usually flown in from somewhere to uh to 
try and get used to the hours in a matter of hours. And I remember all through a Tabacron, for instance, that one and the next one I have huge affection for. In fact, that whole period of yeah. uh, music. Too. Sand? And, and, and sand, yeah. But they, they both represent a period of, of probably the most excessive invention that I took the ball and ran with, really, because I was invited to do so. Alan yeah. wanted ideas. He said, bring something to it, you know, create something to this. And we'd, you know, I'd take a little uh, demo of it back to the hotel room and just really spend all night with it and uh, try to hear stuff and dissect what might sure. be a, a nice kind of pattern to play alongside that, which interestingly offset Alan music, Alan's music, uh, to, to highlight it by not nailing it with exactly what's happening, but to do something counter to it. That, that, and that was really my aim, ambition. And also, and also because it's the drums, to try and expand the drums a little bit in that yeah. area of music. I, uh, I loved it for that. You do that very all the time. time. Well, you do that all the time, but I, I tell you, that was a transitional period, I would say, for sure. If you look at ILU versus later stuff uh, with Alan. But yeah. There, there's, yeah, that was a beautiful period. And the other one I have here, uh, Fud Wud. Remember Fud Wud? Yeah, yeah. There are some things on that Pud Wud version that are just, yeah. And Jimmy John, you can hear that's Jimmy Johnson. You just can't mistake that's that's Jimmy Johnson and you. Yeah, I love that oh, too. Yeah. My ultimate, my ultimate brother, right there. You know, I I ran across. In fact, I can send you this. Uh, somebody posted. I've got, I've got it downloaded. I can send it to you real easy. But you you know you work with them so much. But what's really cool is I think this came off. I heard through a rumor. It was like a board tape. That so it's not a video, but it's on YouTube and. It's Jimmy Johnson and uh, it might be Vinny Kaliuta on drums. It's one of the rare live gigs he did with Alan. But the th the cool thing about it is you can hear Jimmy so well because they just cranked him way up in the board mix. And I never heard him well enough to realize that that guy is completely insane in the best way possible. Like, not only is he way up here, but he's down there. Like, in a half a second, he just covers the whole, he covers the whole range of the bass. And I, I've always been a fan. I, I sent that to my son recently. He said, that's insane, Dad. That's crazy cool. <laughs> what a guy. You know, he was a wind instrument player to begin with. Really? Interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah. So when you, when you start considering his melody and his, his way of moving in a linear sense, you hear that this wow. other instrument was was behind a lot of his conception, really, as to what he brought to the bass. But it just so happens he plays bass in the most, you know, I was talking to him the, only the other day and I, I tried to explain what is it that Jeff Picaro, Steve Gadd, uh, us mortal, us mortal beings with, with, the, with the Allen lineups, um, you know, uh, I can imagine any of the drummers, the Carlos Vega, oh, yeah. uh, 
Simon Phillips, I think, had him do an album. It doesn't, you know, the, the drummers with uh, all the different projects Jimmy's done. I mean, I, there is not a drummer that doesn't feel, God, this guy makes me sound great. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Jimmy does. Yeah. Uh, while sounding great, of course, himself, but he's got this innate, he is so gorgeous to play with for a drummer. He, he's really accommodating. So I can't. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to work with him. That would be a dream. Yeah. He's. Uh, oh, I'm. I'm only skimming the surface as, as to what his his attributes. Oh, and, I'm sure. Uh, I met him one time. He's very friendly. Uh, in fact, I, my son and I were there in Buffalo, New York, and it actually was a rare occasion where the trio it was Chad, Jimmy, and uh, Alan did a clinic. And then we oh, yeah. we got to hang out afterwards and uh, talk with everybody. My son says, because he loved him too, he's like, you're going to record your own album? He said, nah. So I don't write music. I just play it for other people. It's I feel best when I'm just supportive. You know? So it was interesting. You know, he had his band in the 80s. Did you know Flim and the Beebees? Flim and the Beebees. He mentioned Flim and the Beebees, but he didn't seem like he was proud of it <laughs> when he told oh, us yeah. about it. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. He, don't know. Uh, yeah, I think they probably made about eight and nine recordings. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what a musician, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it isn't just drummers. It's why, why does James Taylor adore him as much as... Barbara Streisand, you know, any other of, of the unbelievable list of people he's played with. Everybody yeah. adores Jimmy. Yeah. And it's, I, it's uh, yeah. Perfectly so. <laughs> you know, the, the thing I was thinking about um, before we before we wind up here in a couple minutes, there's a random thought way back in the beginning of this interview today, this conversation. I was thinking about uh, how you're talking about the, you know, your role in a big band versus your role with an Alan Holdsworth trio, and you know, you're you're a third. Well, if you measure it, I mean, just physically, you're a third of a trio, but your voice becomes huge, especially with an opportunity in a situation like Alan and being asked and wanted to be creative. But they also, what's really interesting is you worked with different bass players in that gig so i imagine that i mean my experience even in a quartet or well trio even playing standards is the dynamic can change a lot um how was that for you when you had um somebody else on the tour with you i mean i'm sure it was great but it had to be somewhat different right oh yeah it changed it completely yeah um you know, Jimmy uh, um, uh, Schooley, Sparrison. Oh, yeah, I love put, him. Put, put the beat in a very different place to Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, Schooley was kind of on the back. He was sat on the back of mm -hmm. the beat a lot. I mean, I, and he was cons consistent, very groovy, incredibly musical, great big sound. Um, but his, he, he'd sit on the back. And, and and that was very dead that made what I was used to sort of throwing at it in, in the way that I feel it feel very different. 
so I had to make those adjustments too. And I think um, uh, we all did. I, it's once something changes in the machinery, it's up to. I guess you know. I'm thinking a bit like surgery. It's, I, I've had back surgery. Have you <laughs> lately? <laughs> I had a hip replacement but, last uh, four months ago, uh, but. Oh, yeah. did you? Oh, well did. done. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, man. Yesterday, I'm hauling big, heavy things through the yard, putting in the dock in the water, and oh, I'm, no. I'm grateful for this. But, I mean, it's back to the surgery and the switching things up. Uh, things mm. change, yeah. Things change, yeah. yeah. And so the, there's, uh, like, if they do some work on a disc, the other vertebrae or whatever, this is, however this is correctly explained, start to have a new tension and yes. start wearing sure. in a different way than they did before and all these different consequences um so um i think it's a little bit like that when you change somebody in a band but um schooly very quickly to make the adjustment really mm -hmm. and and uh, just to just to find a, a little bit of a different place that's okay, okay. it feels more comfortable if i'm sat here you know it's, it's a little, just a little slight gear change and then again with uh jimmy hazlitt adorable as well and and what a character on on the instrument yeah and uh, totally yeah what a beautiful person too and uh it's my one and only so far chance to play i hope for more yeah you're listening to me <laughs> ah, I'll, I'll send him over a link and say, hey, dude, check out, <laughs> check it out. left home in like three and a half weeks we we communicate kind of a lot because of this cd that just came out that i did that he produced and plays on but uh and i can't wait to hit it with kinsey and novak and all these different guys oh, oh god yeah and peter erskine well what's what's the album called again dream dream and who's the main credited name it's your name yes it's my, so, own, now, my one and only ever CD in my name. So the, now you know, listeners, watchers, it's a <laughs> CD to get. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm very, my very, pleasure. very happy my with it. Very, so very proud of it. It's all about, you know, it, obviously it's not about me, it's about we. The, the we is the people who can help 
it's all about helping people. It's I started a nonprofit foundation two years ago, so now all proceeds from the money go to the foundation. And then I, uh, Jimmy hooked me up with a record deal. I'm not even a professional drummer for a living anymore, and I have a record contract for five years. You know, so yeah, maybe man. another one, and I would love to invite you to play on the next one, please. Oh uh, yeah, anytime. God, thank you. God, you, you just say what please. Sure. <laughs> anything. Um, I'm either three or I will require five million dollars. Love to you. Hey, we just have to raise enough money. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, so we're trying to get some money together for research that needs to be done. So that's that's the goal of Dream. And Jimmy, uh, it's like, well, I don't mean this is talking with you. This is a conversation. I really want it to be about you. But how it came about was two years ago almost. Jimmy called me. Um, said, can you help my friend who has Parkinson's and he's a great guitar player and then he told me his name is Jeff Richmond. I'm like, oh, yeah. I've been following Jeff since the early 90s and yeah. Jeff's doing very well and he's playing beautifully but we started doing video chats and training online and then I had to teach in LA, a workshop in LA a year ago, February so six months prior, I said, Jeff, be a guest. Come to my workshop. I don't want your money. Just show up. He says, well, we, we got a jam. I'm like, I haven't played drums in five years. I'm terrible. I don't care. There's a studio near my house. We'll jam. And then I said, well, if we're going to jam, I got to practice. Why don't we record something? And then he said, yeah, let's get Jimmy to do it. I said, well, let's do it for my foundation. And then here we are. Oh, great. Yeah. It's like. But it's a dream, not, you know, there is pun intended on that, but yeah, it's a dream come true. That's very inspiring, inspirational, yeah. Consequence, consequence, consequence. But uh, it's, it's, it's amazing work. Trying to make something happen mm. and bringing my old life of musician to my new life of what I do and merging them. So the songs were picked, almost every song was picked by a person with Parkinson's. It, in, in each song has some type of inspiring or positive message. So, uh, yeah, I love it, man. It's freaking awesome. That's, that's really yeah. CD number two, Gary Husband. Come on, man. He'll be joining us. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I was gonna, have you heard of NLP? Of course you have, right? Oh, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Exactly. Oh, 100%. I love that stuff. I, I, I found a great practitioner of it, and I was in serious trouble oh. with uh, flying. Oh. Yeah, I, and it was getting worse, and I was having to uh, try to be as drunk as possible, but still be able to stand just to get on a plane. Oh, wow, That's yeah. And, and I was so gone, it was unbelievable, and really risking um, a lot of working situations. Mm -hmm. So I had to get something done as a matter of emergency, and uh, I think I saw him twice, and the rest of the time we did on Skype, mm -hmm. and he he cured me, man. Mm -hmm. I now get on a plane, and it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll sit here next to a window, no problem. And I'm like, Ooh, quite high, aren't we? <laughs> uh, you, I'm unrecognizable. So. I've, I've never been able to quite come to terms with how successful that was. I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I have been um, 
I'd say the past nine years, taking that seriously. Uh, for about 11 years before that, I liked the idea of it. I just wasn't ready to implement techniques or strategy. But the book that really changed it for me is written by one of the founder, basically one of the founders of it is Richard Bandler. Richard Bandler wrote a book called Use Your Brain for a Change. Uh, mm -hmm. Last I checked, it's out of print, but you can get anything if you look hard enough. Um, yeah, sure. But you know, you have the, I forget the name of the couple who put out a bunch of books, and then you got Tony Robbins and these other people who talk about it. And, you know, a good practitioner, yeah, they can really make a difference in how you think and associate things with the past, present, future, you know, get rid of some fears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, there, there's been one other I wanted to work on, that's heights, because I'm not very good at heights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if he can, if he can, I, I know that he can do it. It's, a, it's amazing uh, work. And, and, and I'm, living proof of uh, its success rate too so oh, i'm glad i mean that's that's good because you know those those kind of things take energy from you they take they drain you and uh if you're fearful of various situations so yeah, yeah. um well let me ask you this before we close because okay um i want to make sure this file saves correctly <laughs> it's not too large <laughs> Um, a takeaway, do you have a takeaway message you'd like to give to the viewers and listeners? A piece of advice? Uh, well, fragments of advice, and they usually come out in a different order, but the same every time. And uh, really, to uh, go deep, listen outer but inner too. Um, listen to everybody else, decide what you want to take from teachers, throw away the other stuff. Yeah. Um, listen and play in as many different musical situations as you can because they're all beneficial they all give something to your perception and application to lots of different music and make you broad yeah uh, uh, what else mean everything you play play with heart become a good reader it's good mm -hmm. it's not totally obsolete yet I still <laughs> yeah, get right, right. crazy charts put in front of me at my grand age and um, I'm expected to read them. So uh, do everything you can to try and put yourself in a place um, where you can be noticed for doing what you can already do very well, hopefully, by the point that you're considering this. So <laughs> that makes sense. It's, it's a lot of what we were talking about, creating a little bit, becoming a little more proactive in shaping your, your future yourself and uh really just uh play with your heart and uh be as amazing as you can that's all i like I, yeah I, I really those are great words you know i used to want to be like other people personally and in drumming and uh it took I, i'm a late bloomer but you know late better late than never i realized that you know, once I got okay with who I am, it's actually okay to be me. And I encourage being myself to myself. I encourage everybody to be their, themselves, be an individual, because you are. <laughs> you know, there's one Gary Husband, there's one Carl Stern, there's one of each person out there. Um, a lot easier said than done for some of us, but 
great uh, uh, great advice. So, I hope so. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Well, so uh, for uh, one more time, I just want to make sure we get everybody uh, to your website, which is GaryHusband.com. So I have a link to that, so they can just click and go. Yeah. I want to thank you again, my friend, for your time again. Very much. Yeah. If you don't mind if you could just hang with me for just one minute after I end the recording. So no. thank you, and uh, thank you everyone for watching. Thanks greatly, Carl. It means a lot that you've wanted to do this, and thank oh you. Oh my God, what a pleasure, what an honor. My uh, pleasure's all mine, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, because I know I sure did, and I uh, hope you have a great day. And it looks like...